Hi, I'm Haley. And I'm Becky. And this is How to Not Get Killed. Hi. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I know. I always run out of things to say. I I always use all my good material in one episode, and then I know, huh? And then here we are. Ah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) What day is today? It like today, today, or the today today that it's airing. Yeah, I don't even know. December something. Yeah, it'll it'll be in the middle of December. It'll be in in the swing of all the Christmas cheer. The the holly jolly spirit mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm mm-hmm um this case is timely in a way um Ooh. and which i will explain more towards the end but i didn't quite realize when i started researching this that i was like whoa this happened like like a week ago <laughs> um a certain thing in in the case actually oh yeah yeah not the case itself okay i was like whoa no 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 not the case itself like something in the case which we will get to but anyways today we are doing um amanda knox Woo. do you know anything about nothing no i know there's a documentary that's it and i haven't seen it okay so i've seen it a couple of times like i obviously (laughs) rewatched it for this i watched it every night before but i watched (laughs) it um i think i watched it like in february or something too like the first time i watched it wasn't that long ago i'm pretty sure it was when i was in that quarantine hotel Remember when oh, I was yes, coming back yes, to yes. Scotland? Yeah. I was thinking about you, actually, because I was like, isn't that when you offered to, like, dr- like come and drop off food for me or something? Yeah, well, because you were close by, and you yeah. kept saying that you had, um, like, just, like, the room service. And I was like, well, it would be, like, a 30-minute drive. Like, I can just drop off I know, groceries. You were so nice. And I was like, and that's you kept, so unnecessary. you kept being like, no, it's fine. It's not necessary. And I was like, do you want me to bring you some groceries? <laughs> like... <laughs> it was more like yeah it was it was chaotic because that was the first week that canada had quarantine hotels oh yeah and so i got there like actually i think i got there the first day well at least it was like nice and clean for you (laughs) it was but it was like they were so understaffed it was so disorganized so it was like you got food but it was sort of like you just didn't know when you were gonna get it (laughs) so it was like (laughs) breakfast supposed to be delivered between like 7 and 10 a.m and you get it at like 11 and you're like but you had been waiting that whole morning so you're especially with my jet lag i was waking up at five in the morning remember how we talked about in the last episode where we both wake up really hungry yeah so i was like waking up like starving you couldn't have just like called down and been like hey like i'm up (laughs) they 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 didn't have the staff for that like they were so understaffed because the government gave then you should have let me drop groceries off you (laughs) fucking idiot hearing this is making me even more mad i know but like it just seemed so i was only there for like two days so that's why i was like that's not necessary but you sent me that one snapchat of like the beer being like 23 dollars for like a glass and i literally was like i will come i'll bring you a beer right now it'll be free they didn't explain it to me either like correctly at the beginning they were like you have 150 dollars in food credits and i was like okay and then the first night that i got there at five o'clock so i just had dinner that day yeah and the dinner was like $90 $90 or something because I had ordered like a beer which was like $25 which was $90. or something <laughs> and then the meal and everything and I was like this is crazy and I and I called them and I was like I don't understand like I used almost all my food credits for like <laughs> one start. meal and she was like no 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 you get $150 per day and I was like oh well no one fucking explained that to me I'm having oh. a panic attack of you thinking like I'm gonna start to eat. I'm gonna have to make Becky drop off groceries for me <laughs> 
I would have in that case yeah. if it was like I would have been showing up anyways the whole, the whole thing on one meal <laughs> I, I feel like even if you did do that and you called me and you were like hey I blew all of my food credits on one meal there wouldn't be a, like an ounce of my body that would be like you did what it would just be like yeah, I understand. <laughs> I get it. I saw that coming. <laughs> well, also, Would you order just a lot of garlic bread? <laughs> <laughs> there were people, though, that were going down to the front door and like ordering Uber Eats and things like that because they were mm. just like, screw this. But I was like, no, like the, the food itself was actually wasn't bad. It was okay. more so just like you could tell they were extremely understaffed. Mm. Fair. Yeah. yeah I think like everyone was just understaffed. It during. was a weird, weird experience, but it was Very fine. Weird. It was totally good. You, you survived. Yeah. yeah you yeah. made it. So that's when I watched this documentary. Okay. In the COVID hotel. There you go. Yeah. I watched a bunch of true crime documentaries. I think that's when I watched the um, um, Unabomber one. Too. I still have to watch that one. Yeah. It's on my list. Um, And like something else, I think. I just went full true crime. Yeah. I was like, I'm locked in here. It was almost like you knew you'd be starting a true crime podcast. It's almost like that, eh? It was almost yeah. as if, yeah. 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 Hmm. My- Suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the first time I watched it, I was infuriated. And then the second time I watched it, I was even more infuriated. But um, I know nothing about the case. I don't know why we're infuriated. I'm, I'm excited to tell you. Okay. Because I remember... So this happened in 2007. Okay. So we would have been in like grade seven or eight. Yeah. Depending. Actually, yeah. We probably would have been in like grade eight at this point. It's like the fall of 2007. Okay. Okay. Um, so I kind of remember this being on the news and stuff. And I remember my parents talking about it or my mom just being like, mm. like casually being like, yeah, it's like an American girl who like went on exchange to Italy and like her roommate got murdered. Um, mm. And they thought it was her that did it. <sighs> and that's kind of like all my mom told me. And there was like a TV movie that came out a few years later that I never saw with okay. Hayden Panettiere. Um, Whatever happened to her? She, <laughs> she stopped. Wasn't she just in something? I don't think so. No, maybe she didn't do anything after Heroes. Yeah. Okay. Go on. I don't know. I like. I liked her. No, she's beautiful. I yeah, like her. She's yeah. freaking great. Yeah. Um. So I never saw that, but I just remember, like, I remembered hearing stuff like about it, but I didn't know. Like yeah. you said, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I still know nothing. It and and we'll talk a lot about the media coverage of it because that kind of shaped a lot of people's opinions about it even if you weren't Usually. like following the case yeah people are like oh well i saw this news headline so like that must be true must be true of course yeah <laughs> so we'll get into that so um so um at 20 years old amanda knox moved to perugia italy on an uh like academic exchange so she was in college she was supposed to be there for one year mm-hmm. um and this was in 2007 so she moved there in September of 2007. Um, she moved into um, a cute, like, cottage-style apartment with a roommate named Meredith Kircher, okay. who was a 22-year-old British exchange student um, from, uh, I believe it's University of Leeds. It's oh. down there somewhere. Um, <laughs> One of those schools. <laughs> yeah. And there were two Italian women living upstairs, and then there was, like, some male students living in the apartment below. Okay. But the way that she describes it in the do- in the documentary, um, she was like, I was living with this British girl and these two Italian women. So I don't know if maybe like their apartment was accessible. She didn't mention anything about living with guys. It's just like in one of the articles I read, it said there was some male students living downstairs and Italian women living upstairs. But right. she basically was like, I was living with this British girl and these Italian women. And like we had this uh, like cute little apartment overlooking the city. And I was 20 and I was like, 
discovering myself and yeah. like getting out of my comfort zone and I was weird and I was quirky but like I was owning it and kind yeah. of like I was excited like every you know? 20 year old yeah yeah which is like of course I should move to Italy at 20 like yeah it's like you're coming like, of I'm age, on my like... own yeah exactly um so yeah she uh it also should be noted I read somewhere else or maybe this was mentioned later in the documentary that their apartment was actually not in like the nicest part of town Okay. That there were like a lot of petty crime and and things like that yeah. that happened. But as a tourist, like someone who's not from the area, you would go and be like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Like you're yeah. in this like picturesque Italian town, right? And you're right. in this cute cottage style apartment and everything. So she was just like, this is dreamy. Yeah, Whereas not it should realizing. be noted that it's like that area wasn't, it wasn't like crazy bad. It just wasn't like the a high class top. part yeah. of town. Yeah. Um, I feel like every city has that where like exactly. unless you're a local you, you don't wouldn't know. know yeah no, you just wouldn't know yeah for sure um and she said that she noticed right away that you know back in, she was from Seattle so she's from yeah she's from Seattle um that you know she says like in Seattle I was like cute she she she's very beautiful like but she yeah. looks like the all-american girl next door kind of thing right um and she's like in Seattle I was cute but in Italy I was this like beautiful blonde american girl yeah like, i had never had that before like this which, strange like yeah which is creature. like true like a lot of like americans or north americans like go to other places in the world and then you're the exotic one yeah you know what i'm saying yeah which it's it sounds weird but it's true like it is people, true it's the same everywhere like you come here yeah. and you're this exotic person and then vice versa yeah i feel like even when i was in scotland and stuff like i didn't look extremely exotic yeah but your accent and everything right people automatically know you're not from there and they're like oh where Ooh, are you from? you're special oh, you're from canada that's so <laughs> yeah. cool like yeah. it's it's it, interesting yeah you're automatically interesting to people so she's right especially like i have family in italy i've been to italy many times like you you definitely for her as a young attractive woman she would be getting a lot of attention probably <laughs> and, yeah. and italian men are very outspoken <laughs> like it's it's they just are like it's almost not even creepy because it's so normal but they'll just be like oh my god you're so beautiful oh my god in like italian and then (laughs) they just like go on their way yeah it's just so yes she's i can picture exactly what she's saying um she said that she thought she was going to be going there for this like she was going to be part of this like scholarly program but it ended up being like zero work she was like it just was easy kind Hmm. of thing so she decided to get a job fair okay um so she got a job um at a bar owned by a man named patrick lamumba and he had just i that's guess that's a really fun name yeah lamumba it's, it's <laughs> gonna be said a lot Lebama. <laughs> <laughs> um so she said that he was trying to get his bar off the ground and he hired her thinking that she would like bring in customers because again she was young she was pretty she's american yeah. like all that right um shortly after she moved to italy um she met a boy (laughs) yeah classic right yeah um she was at a classical music concert um and so she met a boy named rafael uh okay and he's also interviewed in the documentary a lot of these people i'm going to talk about are all interviewed in the documentary like people from all sides are interviewed in it Hmm. um he says that she was alone and they were kind of like looking at each other like smiling whatever he said he he's always been very shy and like not really like not a ladies man let's put it that way yeah like, he just didn't always like when he was younger he was like i was always like playing video games and like yeah i wasn't talking to girls like things like that so he was very shy um but they ended up like he, he ended up walking over to her and introducing himself and then they like it was kind of like 
puppy love. Yeah. Instant puppy love. Yeah. You know what I'm Usually saying? They were like when... inseparable yeah. at that point. Because again, for her, it's like this cute Italian boy and whatever. And then for yeah. him, he's like, oh my God, this beautiful American. Yeah. Girl. Like, I can't believe she even wants to talk to me. Like, basically. All I do is play video games and hide <laughs> in my room. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, they, from that point, they were pretty much inseparable. Like, if she wasn't in class and she wasn't working, she was with him. Nice. Um, okay. And, uh, yes. Yeah, so, Meredith was from the University of Leeds in England. And some sources say she was 22. Other ones say she was 21. Um, but, I don't early 20s yeah she was early 20s she was like a couple years older than Amanda yeah. but around the same age so Amanda and Raphael are like dating basically yeah. at this point you like you know like I don't know those situations when you're really young where it's like you like you can't label like, it for whatever reason with yeah. someone and then you're automatically boyfriend and girlfriend yes. like it sounds like it was almost like that even though they were 20 yeah um it was just like they it was her boyfriend now yeah so on the it's night official of immediately yeah <laughs> on the night of november 1st to that this is 2007 again amanda says that she was at Raphael's apartment okay. uh, they were watching a movie and then she got a text from her boss patrick lumumba lumumba <laughs> and he said that she didn't have to come into work that night she was supposed to work but he was like you don't have to come in so she was like sweet super excited they made dinner they hung out they had sex like Ooh. and then they Spicy. went to bed yeah <laughs> He, Sexy. he basically describes like this period of time as they were like they were together every day they were like taking pictures you know like yeah. 2007 like era with phase. like a yeah. digital camera kind oh, of thing yeah. Yeah. oh my god yeah that was an unfortunate time yeah they were taking pictures of them like kissing and all this stuff whatever Aww. he's like we were taking pictures smoking pot and making love like that was basically like hell we yeah every day <laughs> i'm like all the power to you that sounds great um <laughs> Except for the pictures. That sounds exhausting. Yeah, that does sound very tiring. Yeah. <laughs> Count me out. Also, so, Oscar's just like having like a full blown oh like seizure. I looked over and his eye like looked at me like crazily. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Sorry. It was very distracting. Very so distracting. the next morning, um, November 2nd, Amanda went back to her apartment. The first thing she noticed, she says, was that the front door was already un- unlocked. Yeah. Um but she didn't really think anything of it like i don't know i guess i would probably be like knowing me i'd probably be like no there's someone in the house but like an average yeah. person i can understand why they'd be like maybe someone forgot to lock it or i don't know or like, if that's like your normal thing where it's like sometimes if you're home it's unlocked because you know i'm coming home kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah 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 um because like drew and i have that where like if he's home the door's unlocked because if i have to fiddle with the door then oscar gets barking yeah. and then it just like yeah. becomes like a whole thing for so sure like, that's maybe that's what she was thinking. Like, yeah. Oh, well, she must be home. So she, yeah, she just went in. Um, she said the common area looked pretty normal. Um, she didn't notice anything out of the, the ordinary. She um, went to the bathroom to have a shower and she noticed a couple of drops of blood in the sink. Okay. Um, but again, she didn't really think much of it. That's what she said. And I'm thinking in my head too, where I'm like, I would probably look at that and be like, that's weird. But I, my immediate thought would be like, maybe someone had a nosebleed. Oh, I think the same thing. You know what I'm saying? And they're just like, they were a dick and they didn't clean it up. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's kind of what I, if it yeah. was like the entire sink was filled with blood. Okay. That's different. Yeah. But it, she was like, it was like two or three small drops of blood. In the yeah. sink. Um, so, like we had this recently, like Drew, I guess like while he was sleeping, he gets them quite frequently, especially if the apartment's like super dry. Like there was one night, I don't think he even like realized like, like he had like got up and dealt with a nosebleed overnight but like when i went up to go like in the morning to go to the bathroom there was like 
blood all over the toilet seat and then all over the sink not like all over like covered but like multiple drops where i was like what the fuck happened (laughs) and i was like did you like have a nosebleed like it's on the toilet seat it's on the sink and then he was like oh i guess so like i'll sleep just because like he just did it in his sleep i think so yeah like i think and he was just like oh i think so (laughs) and just like literally sleeping still there you go you've experienced this exact thing then exactly so i I feel like that wouldn't be that uncommon i would be like oh yeah nosebleed for sure yeah so she um she didn't really think anything of it she um she brushed her teeth and then she got in the shower um, and then when she got out of the shower, she noticed a larger spot of blood on the bath mat. Um, okay. and then she, again, she was wondering, like, did someone cut themselves? Like, that seems weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't like immediately do anything because again, she was just sort of like, I don't know, maybe what like are it's obviously to connected to the blood in the sink. Yeah. Um, but whatever. She said she was blow drying her hair and then she looked next to her and she, saw feces in the toilet that had just been left there and not flushed okay that's gross and she said suddenly i got like a creepy feeling like maybe somebody was in the house okay yeah where like i i do understand that like i might i might have gotten that feeling a little bit earlier but again i'm pretty paranoid (laughs) but i think yeah like she was just saying that that was the moment where it clicked for her it might might be different for everybody but she was like blood in the sink blood on the math okay weird and then someone maybe someone cut themselves but then there's like a, literal a shit. shit in the toilet yeah that's not something someone just leaves and if it is that's highly embarrassing and she's been living with this girl for a few weeks so like i'm sure she would know at that point if meredith was the type of person to just like take a shit in the toilet yeah and not if it's brown it. not flush it down <laughs> yeah so it seems more like something almost where m- maybe someone was like going to the bathroom when you came in and then you and then they like ran away or something you know maybe that's mm. what she was thinking i don't know she said she got a, a creepy yeah. feeling immediately understandable yeah um she went back to Raphael's and she told him about it and they went back there together um he said he noticed that um that the room the common area was kind of like it was pretty messy mm-hmm. he said he was surprised that amanda like went in and took a shower because it looked to him like um it had been disturbed and there's video camera footage of the apartment and again it's hard to tell like which room is which or like what connects to what right there was a window that was broken i don't believe it was in the common room though um okay but he said it did look like a mess to him so he's like i was a little surprised she whatever like i would have been anxious but um they both tried to go into meredith's room but the door was locked so um amanda like called for meredith and then she was banging on the door she tried to get Raphael to like she was like can you just get in there like she's not answering and yeah. it's locked like someone has to be in there if it's locked basically but she's not answering right me, so something might be wrong he tried to break it down but he he couldn't. couldn't so he called the police and they play the police call in the documentary i um, love that it's i i like that too but um it's not super long or anything he basically just says um and again, this is translated from Italian. Okay. But he says, hello, um, like someone has made a mess and there is a door that's closed and there's also blood marks in the bathroom. And the operator says, which door is closed? He says, one of the roommates, we don't know where she is. And then they say, I'm sending the, a police car so we can ins- inspect the situation. Um, and the police came. They told Amanda and Raphael to leave the house. They kicked down Meredith's door and they basically, like Amanda i think overhears them saying like this is how she found out about it but they she overhears them saying that there was blood everywhere and her throat had been slit oh fuck yeah 
So that's pretty much how she finds out. Um, in this documentary, Amanda says like, you know, a Meredith, Meredith was my friend of a few weeks. We weren't lifetime best friends. Um, but I, I was really shocked by what happened to her. It didn't make any sense. It was brutal. It could have happened to me, but I was at Raphael's apartment the night of the murder. So I think she's basically just explaining like it was, it was super disturbing. Yeah. It was unsettling. It was scary, but this wasn't her lifelong best friend. Right. Yeah. It would be different if like I walked in and heard that about you or something. Yeah. I would be like, well, slit my throat too, because yeah, I would be like fucking bent over screaming and sobbing and like, I I don't even know. Right. And also it's like probably like still like it's only been a couple of weeks. Like, yeah, it's still like very jarring being in like a new place like a totally new setting and then to like have that happen it would Mm -hmm. almost feel like like you're in like a show or something Yeah, like this isn't real life like you wouldn't know how to react and like you can't judge someone based on their first reaction because like yeah well she's basically saying this in the documentary because she was heavily scrutinized for the way she behaved this on this particular day Hmm. um because the lead prosecutor was also interviewed um, a lot in the documentary. His name is uh, Giuliano Magnini. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, like they went in, there was blood everywhere. Um, the um, Her, she was not clothed fully, mm-hmm. but her body had been covered. There were signs that she had been violently held down. Like I think there was bruising on her wrists and her arms. Okay. Her throat had an extremely deep wound. He says, it struck me how deep it was. Um, and then he says outside, I saw two young people. They were comforting each other with an affection that was inappropriate for the moment. So in, in the documentary, they show video footage of Amanda and Raphael. They're outside. He's, he's like, she's leaning into his chest and he's kind of like rubbing her back and she's looking very concerned. She's not crying or anything, but she's, she looks very concerned and upset. And at one point, um, they're, they're talking and she turns to him and they give each other a peck, a peck on the lips. And that's about it. Um, and it looks like it's very much in like, he's comforting her. Yeah. Um, and then, and then he goes back just kind of like holding, half hugging her and rubbing her on the back. That's about it. Um, and the prosecutor looks at that and was like, that was extremely inappropriate for the moment. Like as if they, and again with the media, yeah. this went on to be like, they were like making out out front. Yeah. They were like all over Laughing. each other. Couldn't keep their hands off each other. Yeah. Like super inappropriate. Like because when, no. you would normally be distraught and you wouldn't want anyone to touch you in that moment and all this stuff and blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. I wonder if it's like a cultural difference too, where like different parts of the world handle death differently. Like I know there are certain parts of the world where like if someone that you know, even like remotely dies, you have to go into like a week of mourning where all you do is wear black for the whole week. And yeah. like everywhere's yeah. different, like everywhere handles like deaths that are close to you differently even if it's like a third degree of knowing that person you still have to like follow this like cultural rule of like wearing a veil over your face or something you know like it's all very different so it's like it it is very different and like but at the same time i mean Raphael's italian and she's american and they both in that moment felt like that was the right thing to do that was like he's trying to comfort her he doesn't even know this girl and she's again like she's like i knew her for a couple of weeks like we had becoming friends i guess but I was just like to some degree you still met like just recently like and and you're right I think that I think the prosecutor from what I get in the documentary was an extremely conservative man 
and maybe he's just like you don't do that like that's disrespectful but again in the video it was like a light peck on the lips for like half a second yeah, they it's didn't not like, like they were like making out in anything. front of the house or anything <laughs> it to me it didn't look abnormal at all yeah no at all but he that was his first like judgment of them and again a but lot of the these, thing is it's just a judgment like it, it was a judgment yeah and um apparently there's so much stuff in the media that will be misconstrued and whatever through all of this especially about this particular day so it's come out i read other interviews with amanda knox afterwards where she said i was extremely stressed like my body was physically stressed like i was mm. um anxious and like again very scared and disturbed and like confused like didn't know what was like exactly what was going on or why yeah. this happened so i guess she sat down on the grass and she was like stretching or like doing like like a like child's pose or something like that like to try and like relax herself right like yoga essentially and the media ended up reporting later on that amanda was outside out front of the house doing cartwheels laughing and skipping around and all this stuff right of yeah. course yeah so that's what was reported Meanwhile, she's like trying to actually take care of her physical health and yeah like, she's like super stressed and she's like i'm just gonna sit down and like do a yoga pose or something i'm or gonna stretch. meditate for two seconds like, and they're just, like she literally put on a clown nose <laughs> because again like if this was her best friend she probably would i don't even want to say she'd probably be crying everyone handles this differently i remember when i was watching the madeline mccann documentary and her parents were heavily scrutinized because they never cried in front of the cameras and it's like well they're british first of all a yeah. lot of people do like a lot of british people themselves say like that's not Com- part of, like we you compose a yourself, lot of us like- are very we were very composed with our emotions a lot yeah. of people don't i'm not saying this is all british people but like if that's part it's, of your culture in a certain way or that's just the person that you are right? like i think of even like our group of friends for example like how often do you guys see me cry? Like I could watch like something happen right in front of us. That's like horrifying. And I wouldn't cry. But meanwhile, like Megan would be like literally running headfirst off of a cliff, and, like and, crying and screaming. And, and me, like I'm a crier. Like cry- honestly, yeah. every time Luke and I watch anything like, and it's not, it's not like a sad just movie, but there's like up. a moment in it. That's just either happy the music changes a little bit. And you're like, I'm done <laughs> anything. And he, and I always look over and he's looking at me. I'm crying. <laughs> and I'm like, don't look at me. Look away. <laughs> But, but like so everyone, everyone everyone handles it differently right? and that's the thing it's like i'm so not a crier but like and we'll have like those emotional moments where we're all saying like bye to each other see you next time megan's like dying and i'm like i'm gonna see you like really soon so i'm mm-hmm. not sure why we're crying about this and then hillary's like 50 50 because she'll be like sometimes oh, she's, she's like loose super, cannon super like posed whatever she's like it's totally fine and then other times i'll go over and she's like sobbing and i'm like and that, whoa sometimes <laughs> and the thing is is when she does do that i'm always like are you joking are you joking right now because <laughs> like you usually <laughs> like, did someone just stab you what's happening <laughs> oh fuck um, oh man yeah so anyway i just wanted to point it that i i wanted to point that out because i hate it when people in scrutinized, certain cases yeah. they're scrutinized by like their every minute facial expression and like movement and like behavior and oh, it's like yeah uh, there's certain instances where you want you want to scrutinize like if you were like interviewing a serial killer sure like yeah, scrutinize you're gonna away. scrutinize those things but it's all part of a larger picture yeah so you also yeah. i feel like if you're gonna scrutinize someone's like body language i feel like you have to be like accredited to do so oh yes that brings me to my next that's like my thing is like who am i to judge because like i don't have a degree in behavioral body language like it's just like no no (laughs) 
Um, so another person interviewed um, is a journalist. I've, I've, that term is questionable to me, but anyways, <laughs> he was a freelance journalist for the Daily Mail. Um, his name is Nick Pisa. So he was called, he was sent to Italy um, because like to be the, like the correspondent for the, like one of the, like for the Daily Mail, but for British right. press essentially, right. because the girl that was murdered was British and mm. he spoke Italian. So he, he was, like was a, a good person to go, yeah. right? Um, he said it was the first time he had ever like covered a story in a place like Perugia, like uh, an exotic place where it's not like in yeah England. Um, he said it was like instantly like a sensational story. Um, mm. And the authorities in Perugia were under uh, an immense amount of pressure. And this is from people's description. I didn't look up like the population, but it sounds like it's a smaller town. Like, I mean, this isn't right. Rome. It's yeah. not like the most visited massive city in no, Italy. No, it's like a small town. So like- the police force probably didn't deal with stuff like this very often. No. So, um, but he said they were, they were on the international stage, like pretty soon after this happened, like this was an international story. Yeah. Because it's an American girl, a British girl. It's like everything combined into one little thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, Meredith's family arrived in Italy shortly after the death. Um, and Nick said the whole place was awash with journalists, like any scrap of information. You were just trying to get it out before your competitor, anything at all. Hmm. That's not good. Even if it wasn't true. true. Exactly. He didn't say that. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, it, it's very, he's very honest in the documentary about his intentions. Like he was like, I had never had so many, um, front page stories before. My name was all over the newspaper because of uh, Nick Pease and, and they show a lot of his headlines. And it's like, he, he was basically like, yeah, you just wanted to get out the story before your competitor didn't matter if it was true or not yeah like you he, just want he doesn't the say those exact words but that's what he means it's your job's just on like, the line your livelihood yeah. your money like everything yes yeah so lying his, becomes yeah his job part. was media not that's that's what i mean is like not journalism yeah his job was gossip basically yeah it's a gossip column that um, rate. like and he said that he often like he spoke he spoke italian so um a lot of the uh, italian like police force would speak to him as well so he kind of had an in with them and yeah. he would get a lot of the first scoops like yeah. you know what i'm saying scoops um and and again he was sort of like he was a british journalist so they were sort of like oh wow like the british press is here like this is Ooh, must serious be good. yeah yeah um so he was allowed to go inside like to report the facts of the autopsy um and they gave him like statements like as soon as people made statements and signed them they would just like give them to him hmm. and he would go and photocopy them like just he got a lot of like first information um okay so the post-mortem showed that there had been some sort of some sort of this is in quotes some sort of sexual interference with meredith's body so it so she had been sexually assaulted okay um traces of male dna were inside her body there were also little nicks in her chin oh almost as if someone had been like taunting her or torturing her that's what they speculated okay um interesting so that's when the speculation started around like a sexual motive or this being some like part of some sort of sex game because that comes out in the media as well and we'll get to that but um yeah basically there were the the autopsy results were reported and a lot of the media just ran with that right um giuliano the lead prosecutor god i love this um (laughs) says 
why was the body covered with a blanket? A woman who kills tends to cover the body of female victims. A man would never think to do this. Not true. Right? Like, okay. <laughs> honestly, like, I, I, watched, I watched him say that and I was just like, have you, like, do you guys not get like criminal minds in Italy you, or something? Do like, you not like have Google there? Do you not have he says he was like obsessed with like detective novels, Sherlock Holmes and things like that. How is that like, possible when like, how do you know anything about crime? You can't be, you make a statement yeah. like that. Like there's, there's some weight to it. Like I will admit, like even in the research we've done, like, yeah, a woman would be more likely to cover but it doesn't mean that a man would never. If anything, a lot of men do feel like remorse immediately after doing something, especially like a sexual assault, and they will cover or and, they'll redress. Or and there the- you go. You just inadvertently said what that actually means. It's covering the body means that someone felt remorse. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're female. No. It means that the person felt remorse. There are yeah. tons and tons of male killers that cover the bodies yeah. of females or children or whatever or even like call the police right after and report themselves because yes, they have like because that they feel a level of, of like oh fuck yeah. like and that's it, exactly what that means it's possible of happening like, we're not police officers we're not prosecutors and we know that yes, so it's like how does this sad. guy just go and he's like oh it's something only a woman would do the killer we're must only be looking a woman. for a woman yeah yeah we're looking for a woman yeah just bullshit anyways i was just so that and, aggravated me so and it's much like okay well yeah sure sure you're if you're gonna go based off of that and you think that's your empirical evidence there why are you not taking the evidence of there being like a male that was like found dna inside of her body mm-hmm that should weigh a little bit more heavily on the evidence side of things than the covering. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you want to go that route, say the person that did attack her had a female partner then in that case. Like Like, that's what I, yeah. And we'll get to the DNA, but it's just like, I just thought that was absolutely absurd. How do you get that job and like make bold statements like that when you're so wrong? That's what it was. He was so confident where he's just like, I know exactly what I'm talking about. I've been doing this for years. It's like you've been doing it for years wrong in Perugia, where maybe you don't have crimes like this. <laughs> like, um, I mean, I'm like, you're just fired. <laughs> he said, he said that the thing that struck me most was the break in, nothing had been stolen, um, and there was no evidence that someone had climbed the wall. Um, immediately, I could tell that the break in was staged, which, fair enough, like, if nothing had been stolen sure uh, that's yeah possible. Uh, that, that's a logical leap for me but um that it was staged but anyways we'll we'll move on from there we'll table that for now <laughs> yeah he basically said that like there could be no other function for the break-in other than to remove suspicion from someone connected to the house uh, which no. i don't i wouldn't go that far i would say if maybe someone staged a break-in to to make it look like yeah the motive or something was different or to make it look like it was a break and gone wrong and Meredith died because of that. I don't necessarily think it only means yeah. that it's to remove suspicion from someone connected to the house. Yeah, and it sounds a lot like the f- actual wording he's trying to use is a lot of like, I don't know, pointed phrases where it's like trying to gear it towards one person so that he can cleanly wrap this up and have it solved really yeah. quickly. They're definitive statements. Like exactly. They're yeah. very pointed. Like it's very like it's got to be this and this only when it's like, no, there's a lot of reasons why it might look like it was like all disheveled, but like nothing was stolen. Maybe they were looking for something that they couldn't find. Like there's so many 
possibilities. Also, how do you even know that nothing was stolen? Meredith and, and Amanda didn't really just know each other in. that well. So I'm sorry if I had just met someone a couple of weeks ago and then they were like, go through the apartment and see if anything was taken. I'll be like, okay, well, none of my stuff was taken. Yeah. I don't know if any of her stuff was taken from what I can see. Nothing. Was I wouldn't taken. even know. Like if you and I live together, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't like know. she has her stuff. Maybe she keeps a box of secret shit for me. How am I to know that? Like, yeah, for sure. Like maybe there was earrings yeah. that were stolen. I don't know. But that's, that's what I always wonder in cases when they're like, nothing was taken. And it's like, not how do you know, though? Because what theory? if like a sock was taken and yeah. that was what was needed? Like, you and know, it's how just do like, you know? I know. Shit. I completely agree. OK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks, because so, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so two days after the murder, they brought Amanda back to the crime scene um, and they had her go through the knife drawer to see if any of the knives that like any of their knives were missing that could have been like taken out and been the murder weapon because they hadn't found the murder weapon at this point okay um and amanda recalls becoming like very overwhelmed because she was like looking at all these knives and she's like oh my god like i'm like looking at all these knives like they're trying to find the murder weapon and it just like she's like kind of hit me all at once which it would yeah and it was just very overwhelming she became like hysterical like she like started like hitting the palms of her hands like on her ears like smacking Mm -hmm. her head kind of thing um and and just like screaming like she was just that is a stress-related reaction yeah that that's that would be my immediate response is like okay we need to take her out of here like this is too much like it's it's yeah yeah it's too psychologically stressful for her um because again like she didn't she wasn't best friends with this girl but like her roommate was still murdered that's yeah hugely traumatic experience. and then to be like okay now tell us which knife that's not here because it definitely killed your roommate exactly because exactly. I, even i'd be like whoa fuck excuse me like i'm yeah. supposed to just like pick out this one thing and be like that's it <laughs> and that could be it where you're like oh the, yeah one of them's missing like they took the, a knife out of our drawer and killed her like it's just you're having to connect all those things in your head and picture it and i think that would be i don't know i think that response is completely normal to me yeah um giuliano says giuliani says that um she started hitting her the palms of her hands on her ears as if there was a memory of a noise a sound a scream meredith's scream (sighs) and he said in that moment he suspected amanda Oh, in that moment. Yeah. That moment. That, that was moment. the moment. As if there was no prejudgment before yeah, that. As if, yeah, it wasn't already pointed at Amanda. And that's what made you suspect yeah. her? Like, again, I'm just like, that's ridiculous. And you know what? That it's, it is fine in murder cases to like have your sp- suspect and like go after that information. But if you like gear the entire case to fit the narrative, then it's wrong. Especially in the beginning. Yeah. You need you, to have an open mind. Uh, in the beginning yeah you need to gather the actual facts before trying to squeeze it into this like story of like okay here's what i think happened and it's Mm -hmm. like you can do that but it has to like be based off of like what's actually in front of you not just like oh well i think it's amanda and now i'm gonna like take everything as that and Mm -hmm. try to force it to fit the narrative yeah it's actually what you're not supposed to do in in detection you're supposed to like eliminate all the other possible suspects until there's only one as opposed to starting with one and then not acknowledging any other possible suspects. Yeah, no. Like, that's, you're, that's not what you're supposed no. to do. Um, but that's that's what he did. He suspected her right from there. Um, so a few days later, on November 5th, Raphael is called into the, into the police station. Amanda wasn't called in, but she came with him anyways, because they were obviously together. Um, and she was waiting in the hallway of the police station 
Raphael says that um, when he was being interviewed, the police became very rude and, and aggressive. They kept asking him, like, what happened that night? What happened that night? Over and over again. He kept telling him that that he was um, at his apartment with Amanda. Like, he just kept saying the same thing over and over again. He said they kept pushing and became, again, very aggressive. Um, they told him that Amanda was lying to him, um, that she was this is in quotes, a stupid slut, a cow that didn't care about him. Wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was, they're saying that's The police a- said that to Raphael. Okay. They were, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> just was so inappropriate but okay yeah, so inappropriate. <laughs> i was like caught off guard there i was like wait what the fuck just happened after a really long time of this back and forth um rafael changes his story okay which again this has been hours and we've talked we about know. this before yes. yeah that like when they don't get yes. the answer that they want they will press for something different over yeah. and over again yeah and your words will be twisted to fit a narrative Mm -hmm. so the story that ended up coming out was that Raphael lied because amanda asked him to um that she had actually left that night and then she didn't come back until 1 a.m to his apartment so that's that's the change in the story okay the police come out they tell amanda that her boyfriend is inside there and he's just turned on her um okay <laughs> and she's in the mo- she hasn't been interrogated yet right so she's like what <laughs> what like she keeps telling them that like her boss didn't need her to come into work why would i leave the apartment i was with my boyfriend like why would i leave if i didn't have to go to work i stayed there the whole night we made dinner like we i was there um they asked to see her phone like to see her text messages and she was like yeah here like you can look at it because you yeah. texted me and told me here's a text message saying i don't have to come into work so yeah there's your proof and then they they look at her text message back to him um and they read it so this is what i was i was playing on whatever before so her text message back said certo ci vediamo più tardi buona serata which translates to um of course i'll see you later have a good evening okay and the police say, no, what this actually means is that you're going to see someone. You've made an appointment with someone and you will see them later. And she's like, okay, so English is my first language. She's been in Italy for like two and a, a half day. months. Yeah. yeah. She, she's not fluent in Italian. Yeah. Um, and they're saying, no, you said that you were going to see him later. So you're telling him, I will see you tonight. So they they kept telling her over and over and over again. This is they're what like, you said. You're you're you you went to meet him. You went to meet your boss, Patrick Lumumba. You just don't remember. And again, no. and again, we know what that what this means because she's probably thinking like, okay, I I typed it wrong. It doesn't mean that I went to see him though. No. But they're saying, well, this is what you said. So when you must you? have gone to meet him. Yeah. And again, over hours and hours and hours of interrogation in the middle of the night. She goes, I guess it's possible. It, right? Like after we we know how distorted this can be when people are trying to really aggressive. And like I feel like people false don't memories understand. in your brain. Yes. Yeah. It's so possible. It, it, again, people don't understand where they're like, well, no, I wouldn't just all, uh, suddenly change my story. No, it's not suddenly. This is over hours and hours and hours of people. And again, she she didn't speak the language fluently. So they're no. shouting at her in Italian. 
and she's trying to communicate like, back in her broken Italian and they're not right. So she said that, um, like, I can't she, even imagine I'd be so fucking disoriented. Yeah. Yeah. She was like breaking down at this point. Yeah. Um, they're basically saying like, you're confused. Like, do you want to be on our side or do you want to be on the side of the murderer? Um, and she said she got so overwhelmed and, and she was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And one of the policemen says, fuck, I know what that means. Fuck you. And she's like, he literally thought I was telling him to fuck off because he just heard one word that he understood in English and then thought I was shouting like at him to fuck off. And she was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. That's what she had said. Yeah. So again, this is how it went all night. And that would be so exhausting. Which is just, it sounds like anyone's worst nightmare. Yeah. Like you're in a country where you don't speak the language. You're being held in a, in an interrogation room by the police, which is scary enough alone, like add in like a language barrier. Yeah. You're trying to communicate with them and there is an actual barrier. Like they're not understanding you. You're not understanding them, but they have the power. Yeah. Which is terrifying. That's scary. So again, after all of this, um, she, she ends up basically saying like, uh, you know, she said they're telling her that she went to meet her boss. So she's like, I started to see images of my boss in my head, like popping up in my head. I thought that maybe this was me like remembering going to see him, like re- mm, me remembering nope. seeing him that night. That's a plan. So I said, okay, memory. I guess, I guess it was possible. Um, and she, again, she thought they were trying to convince her that she was remembering like suppressed memories. Yeah. Which, again, we've, we've talked about this many, many times that that happens in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, so she makes a statement saying that it was like she went to see Patrick Lumumba and then he killed her roommate. Like, and so and Ju- even um, Giuliani says he was like, I was a little bit shocked because what she had said had like at least made her an accomplice to murder. Um, but she said that because that was the only thing that made sense with the narrative they were trying to put together. Like yeah. that they were just saying to her, no, you went to meet him that night. So then what? You saw yeah. him that night. So then what happened? Like, I don't know what they were expecting to like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so they, all three of them got arrested. Amanda, Raphael, and Patrick were all arrested. Okay. Um, there was like, there was a press conference too. And the police basically were like, we're so sad for what happened. Well, we're so happy that we found answers in such a short period of time and whatever. Um, Nick Pisa, the journalist, he says, it was sort of like that's it case closed like you you and the way that they were behaving he's like you would have thought they had busted some sort of like mafioso godfather (laughs) like they were literally rolling in like because again (laughs) this was a small police force and they were under a lot of pressure to prove that they could handle this they didn't bring in anybody else like any of the higher ups like the italian yep whatever the italian fbi equivalent is like there were none of these none of that was brought in right yeah. so they were sort of like we're the big kids on the block we solved this it's giant just all ego murder, that's right? like yeah it's pride yeah, yeah of course and that gets in the way of a lot of things in some of these cases as we know um he nick pisa says that like again the lawyers would hand him the statements and he would run out and get them photocopied he was reporting um things that he had heard from Meredith's friends and family who were like inside the courtrooms and inside the police station who were reporting back on Amanda's behavior. Again, her behavior was heavily scrutinized throughout this whole process. Um, Apparently one of them had said something along the lines of, I really hope Meredith didn't suffer badly. Um, To which I guess Amanda responded, of course she fucking suffered. She had her throat fucking cut. Um, Again, I don't know if any of this is true, but even if that is true, I, that's not that 
that's not an irrational response. No, me. it's not. It's a very, if anything, realistic response. And I feel like, like if anything, it's a little bit insensitive. It's to insensitive say to a for sure. Or a family, but like if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I'm like, I just got fucking arrested. You're sitting there being like, I hope she didn't suffer. And it's like, well, she got her throat fucking slit. So like, I'm sure she suffered. And there's evidence of sexual assault. She suffered. Yeah. It's, it, it's the same thing. Like even like you and I say almost every episode where it's like, that person went through serious pain. Yeah. You like it's not necessarily insensitive, that, but, but it's like, it's the realistic side of things to be like, yeah. they suffered quite a bit. They were, if anything, tortured. Like, yeah. Um, again, there were police reports, the police officers reporting that Amanda and Raphael were like kissing each other after the murder, kissing each other in the station, what all this stuff, right? Um, that she, again, was performing cartwheels out front and Backflips. all of this stuff was coming out at this time after she had been arrested about her strange behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda's family came to Italy during this time because she had been arrested. Yeah. Um, and there was a recording of her first meeting with her mom when her mom came into the prison and they got to see each other. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. Mm. Like Amanda's crying. She's like, mom, I'm really scared. Um, she said in the interview portion that she's like, at that moment, I knew, I knew I had fucked up and I didn't know what to do. And I felt, I immediately felt like a child again. I just wanted my mom and it, and it's like, and her mom, like you can hear in the recording, her mom's like, do you know who committed this murder? And Amanda's like, no, I have no clue. Um, and she says, I, I, I don't know like why Raphael would have lied. And her mom's like, well, he was probably put in the same position that you were, where you were under a lot of pressure and they were pushing you to give them something. Yeah. That's probably why he lied. And she's kind of like, yeah, you're right. And then um, uh, her mom said she was talking to their lawyer and he said, Amanda has been caught up in something that's much bigger than her because this has turned into this huge international bullshit story. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. And again, the media now was like, she's guilty. Yeah. So the police force are like, well, if we don't pin her to the wall, then we're going to get shit on yeah. kind of thing. Um, and her mom had said that every member of their family back in Seattle had been assaulted by the media, like just Fuck. on top yeah. of them every just minute of every day, everything. Right? Yeah. Um, Nick Pisa says again, when this all started and she was suspected and then now she's arrested and everything, of course, all the journalists go online. They're Googling Amanda Knox or Googling Raphael Solecito. Like they're trying to get like anything on them. Dirt on them. Right. Any anything. Kind. Yeah. So. He said um, that it was uh, Meredith was also like an extremely beautiful girl. Yeah. As was Amanda. So he was like, there was immediately this sort of like this. These are his words, not mine, but like sexual intrigue, like a girl on girl crime. Okay. Fair. Sure. So he said they like when you Google and then like you find like Amanda's MySpace pops up because again, this is 2007, right? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, oh, man, MySpace. There's a picture of her like at the end of a machine gun and she's like laughing kind of thing or whatever, like which like again, she's from Seattle. So like lots of people have firearms and things like that. She was probably at some sort of like, I don't know, somewhere. Like a where, shooting range or something. Yeah. And there was like a, a gun and she's kind of like holding it, like smiling, whatever. And they're yeah. like, oh, great. This is awesome. There's another picture they find of Raphael. He's dressed up as a mummy and he's holding a meat cleaver. 
and he's like honestly this is gold like he's like this all of this stuff it's a right? halloween costume uh yeah and honestly i'm thinking about this i'm like oh my god what pictures would come up of me oh dear lord i gotta go scrub my <laughs> facebook clean like not like super not i don't have any photos online that i think are incriminating but, but like you never man, know it'd be like oh it would you know what it'd be it'd be a collage of like 1001 photos of me holding a glass of wine they're like alcoholic she's an alcoholic guys <laughs> she can't stop drinking she's never seen without a glass of wine in her hand like that would be mine it's just me with like really sharp knitting needles and it's like she stabs people the murder weapon (laughs) and and this is this is what it was right it's just like anything they can use to juice up their stories right um so basically he says that it was apparent that Raphael wasn't extremely experienced with women um and the media kind of drew this narrative that like amanda like sunk her hooks into him that she was an evil temptress yes exactly that she was like the the leader she was controlling him yeah manipulating him and everything um holding sex over his head and stuff yeah (laughs) yeah yes exactly this like 20 year old american girl who's this like evil mastermind sex cult leader yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) for sure (laughs) that came Uh, out later too honestly those were some of the headlines that started coming it just it got so outrageous i have some further down that i actually wrote down because i'm like this is insane um there was security video like security uh footage of them shopping like the day after the murder at like a lingerie store and people were like that's disgusting like blah 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 like them like buying her lingerie and stuff like she literally said like no i didn't have any clean underwear they i took was just the, gonna say the whole apartment was a crime scene yeah she probably had to i was literally just gonna say she probably just didn't have underwear because everything she, was she like didn't. closed off yeah and and again like there's probably lots of people who are reporting these things that maybe are true maybe aren't true but apparently the um manager of the store like overheard them saying they were gonna go have hot sex that night Okay, so... So they're literally... Okay, again, no. I will go back and say they're head over heels infatuated with each other. Yeah. Her roommate gets murdered. I'm just going to be the one to say it. It probably didn't put a dent in their sex life. No. Like, to be honest, like, they're. I, I'm not saying they went home that night and had sex, but I'm just saying, like, that's what they had been doing every single day up until this point. Yeah. And she's probably, yeah, she's probably upset and scared, but she probably maybe, just needed stress relief. So yeah, if they did talk about it, like, like fuck maybe it. they were going to go have sex that night yeah. or maybe he just fucking made it up. Cause a lot of people were making shit up at yes. this point. I don't know. Both are possible, but, but it's also like a big that thing doesn't give a, as like, well. Who gives a flying big rat's thing. ass? They were like, they're out shopping for lingerie. They're going to go, whatever. And yeah. that was, well, that was before they got arrested, but this was still all the stuff resurfaced, right? Yeah. Um, there were headlines like amanda the man eater amanda the femme fatale amanda the dominatrix i love when there's like a crime that involves a woman it's always about like the sexual control she has over people and it's just like absolutely no like let's say let's say she did murder this person hypothetically let's say what what does her like looks and sexuality have anything Anything to to do do with with it? it it's like she was being crucified for being attractive that's the problem yeah you, like no matter what like it would have been and then if it would have been if let's say she wasn't attractive it would have been like oh she was jealous, jealous. of her roommate's looks yep yep and it's they like, would have spun it any way they, they would have spun it anyway and that's the problem with like crimes with women when it's like no it may like let's say if she did murder this person i'm, I'm speaking completely hypothetically mm-hmm. it maybe she just didn't like her yes and that's no, it seriously like, <laughs> like it just could be chalked up to that there, there's still a lot of speculation as to whether she did it or not but yeah it 
it doesn't necessarily have to be because she's a femme fatale cult leader. Yeah. Whipping all the male sex slaves. Yeah. Just because that's the only skill that we have is our sexuality. And And our what I'm getting at is like, it's so fucked. Like, (laughs) (laughs) shut the fuck up, everybody. Um, Nick Pisa, I believe, coined this this name for her but throughout the rest of her trial and everything she was nicknamed foxy noxy oh um that was just used i don't like a, that one in a lot of the headlines um um he said it was basically he called it a, a feeding frenzy he and he, again he said he had never had so many front page stories congratulations nick pisa wow i'm like, really glad that lasted you know your whole 15 minutes of fame yeah and, i think that's exactly and now what no one gives a flying fuck about you um a few weeks after the arrests, Patrick Lumumba provided a credible alibi uh, and was released. His alibi was that he was working that night. That's pretty fucking credible to me. I was listening to a podcast on the way here and they were like, <laughs> it was so funny, especially because, oh, they were Irish and it was just awesome. It was uh, those conspiracy guys, but it was like a guy and a girl um, and they have the best accents. And she's like, I'm not a policewoman, but um, I like, I don't know. I don't know. I just figured like you'd arrest someone or like before you arrested somebody, you'd go and be like, Hey, where were you that night? And he's like, I was at work. And then they asked like the six employees he was working with. And they're like, Oh, that checks out. And then you just move on and you don't have to arrest him. She's yeah. like, I don't understand why, like it took six. Why months. did that take so long? Yeah. And then it, and it destroyed his reputation. Of course, as it always does. Destroyed. He ended up having to move. Yeah. He moved and to he Poland. Probably, he like, probably went like bankrupt too. Probably had to yeah, like. Yeah, because he couldn't keep his. He had business. just yeah. opened the restaurant. So just anyways. And it, of course, people, but everyone blamed Amanda because they were yeah. like, she. Pointed, this she, evil she sex fingered demon. him like yeah. you as the, the murderer, oh, right? Did you see my eyes? You said that I can't. You can't say childish, inappropriate things to me and not have me react. That's said a lot in crime cases. <laughs> I feel like I've never heard that. Really? Well, Becky, and you call yourself those of your crime podcast. I know. Take take my title away from me. All right. Well, on that note, yeah, um, I think I think we should probably cut it here yes um and snip uh, snap snip snap <laughs> um this seems like a good place to stop um yeah surprise this is two parts i know we didn't say that in the beginning yes but. this is going to be two parts there's just there's a lot to unpack like, unpack in this case yeah mm-hmm. for sure so i think that's probably a good place to stop um and like we said patrick lamumba was was released so but amanda and Raphael are still in custody lamumba lamumba i gotta slip in one it's more it's so like it's so it just rolls off the tongue la la, la bamba <laughs> yeah. is that that is that how that song goes yes that is how okay. the song goes yeah <laughs> lamumba la bamba um so yeah so part two is coming out next wednesday yes which no oh, i did the mouth thing again oh oh yeah God. you know what embrace it i'm gonna do a big one you guys ready and there goes all of our listeners i was gonna be like half of our listeners and just turned it off not only did we lose all of our listeners drew actually just handed me his resignation (laughs) drew Drew quit he also (laughs) broke up with me in the process i can already see him walking down the driveway he's like he's got a suitcase he's already halfway down the road um yeah so part two is coming out next wednesday and um like we mentioned earlier we have an extra special bonus episode for christmas holiday episode um and we thought it would be fun if we this coming friday we will start posting i think it's the 17th friday the 17th 
I think so. Something like Something that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, whatever the Friday is. <laughs> Friday. We don't even know where we are, who we are, yeah. what day it is, what time it is, what this year This airs is. Wednesday something, <laughs> Friday something. <laughs> yeah. So That's all you need to know. Yeah. So we're starting Friday. We are going to be posting a hint in our story. Clues. On hints. Instagram. Yeah. We will do multiple <laughs> if, it, if it takes that many, but we'll start this Friday. And the first person to DM us and guess what case we're doing we're going to gift you a $20 gift card to our merch store. Happy freaking holidays. Merry yep. freaking Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Merry freaking holidays. <laughs> um, yeah. So we thought that would be fun. So yeah. there's yeah. going to be a maximum of three clues. They're not all going to happen on Friday. So no. if nobody guesses on Friday to clue number one, mm-hmm. maybe we'll like save that to like a, a story highlight or something. Yeah. We'll save it to the highlights so that, you know, you can, if you've missed it Friday, no worries. We can, mm-hmm. Look we'll save it, it. i guess we'll let you cheat fine well, yeah but we'll post another one a couple days later until someone guesses it but who knows someone might guess on the first one i know we don't we don't know yet we have some like pretty... we think they're tricky but they might be very yeah, easy might be we super don't know easy. Who knows? Yeah. Everyone's like wow that was it <laughs> idiots <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's our fun game we're doing with you guys yeah yeah and who knows, maybe by by next week, we'll come up with more new fun things to do for the holidays for you guys. So many fun things. Yeah. If we're not like already ripping our hair out with stress. Because <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Holidays are yeah. stressful. <laughs> stress. We're supposed to be relaxing. Stress. <laughs> it's like, Merry Christmas. You see my shoulders yeah, slowly they're rise just up like to my ears. all the way up <laughs> by her ears. I love the holidays. Yeah. yeah. The holidays are usually when I have like extra gray hairs and I have to like furiously <laughs> dye my hair black every night. <laughs> don't get us wrong like we're obsessed with christmas <laughs> i think that's like why it's so like much extra stressful is because we like deal. christmas so yeah. we're just like i i want this stress i need yeah. i need it <laughs> i need it to feel alive <laughs> so yeah we're wrapping up <laughs> all right all right okay so yeah sign up to be super cool and join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed and if you ever want to chat and connect with us you can send us an email to how to not get killed at gmail.com or you can dm us or comment on our posts on instagram at how to not get killed and you can follow us on twitter at h2ngk And you can also check out our website and shop our merch, which one of you might have a gift card to. Uh, That is at www.howtonotgetkilled.com. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. And you guys keep it motherfucking sleazy. (laughs) Keep it so goddamn sleazy. So sleazy. So sleazy. Holy shit.